Hey G12 family, welcome to our podcast. We are so excited to have you here. We know this message will draw you closer to God's word, his will, and his way wherever you are. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. It's really cool. This is epic that I get to be here with you guys. I'm really excited. Some of you be like, who's this white guy? The ones who are laughing, the ones who know me. The ones who are like, um, you know, you go away for like three months and everyone's like, who's that? Um, no, my name is Rich. I'm from England. Um, but lived here in Florida for like eight years. Eight years now, so you might hear a little bit of a twang in my accent. Um, but I, I, it's like, I love Florida. I love this church. I love you guys. It's really exciting to be here. Um, I'm here till tomorrow. Um, it was God, I think. Um, here with my amazingly beautiful wife, Manu. Um, and my four kids. Um, yeah, four kids. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. I love each one of them, obviously. And, and it's the best thing that anyone could ever do is get married and have kids. Apart from accepting Jesus in their hearts. Amen. Amen. Cool. Okay. We're going to read tonight, I want to read um, from Matthew's Gospel. And we're going to read Matthew chapter 27. And this message tonight is called the 1,000 or the one and a half thousand foot journey. The 1,500 foot journey. Say to the person next to you, that's not really that far. but it's actually really far. And you're going to find out why when we get there. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 32 says this. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. They offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. Blech. Gall, yeah, is that stuff that you have in your bowel. Nasty. Anyway, when he tasted it, obviously, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus the King of the Jews. I want to pray. If you can bow your heads with me, close your eyes. Let's invite God here. Father, I thank you for your presence, for your grace. Holy Spirit, why don't you just come in this moment right now and fill this place. Touch each one of our hearts. Open our hearts. Speak to us, God, from your word and change us, Lord, from the inside out that we might leave this place different in Jesus' great and holy name, Lord, I pray that you would open our minds to have that revelation of who you are and what you did on the cross for each one of us. Thank you, Jesus, for your precious word and your precious, precious work on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. 
as I said, I have four kids. And at the beginning of this year, when um, Joy, my, my last, my ultimate child was born, um, she's now six months, but a few weeks after she was born, we decided it would be a cool idea to go to Sawgrass. So we thought, okay, first time we're going to take all four kids out at the same time. How are we going to do this? So we thought, well, Noah, he's nearly six. He can walk. Nathan's three. He can walk. And Chloe's one, just turned one. You know, we had them pretty, pretty quick. Um, and Joey's, you know, newly born. So we, we took two strollers, and the boys can walk. So we get to Sawgrass, and... We start like going around and, you know, doing the window shopping and then Manu finds a store and, and after like a while, because, you know, Sawgrass is pretty big, we go to a store, I can't remember which one it was, but we, as we walk in the store, Nathan just looks at me like this. <laughs> I'm like, you all right? <laughs> Carry me. I was like, okay, Nathan, he's skinny, he's light, I can do this. So I pick him up in one arm, and I get the stroller in the other for Joy, and Manu has Chloe. Both the girls have fallen asleep, so I have Nathan here, Chloe and Joy asleep, it's fine, and Nathan starts to fall asleep on my shoulder. So this is okay, he's not too heavy, I can do this. And then, um, so, you know, Manu spent a while in this store looking for clothes and stuff, and then, you know, she found a few things, buys some stuff, and then out we go. And as we're leaving, I'm like, where's Noah? And I look back, and he's not like this. He's like this. I was like, I see him on the floor. I'm like, hey, Noah, let's go. Come on, man. And he just looks up. He just says to me, Dad, I can't go on. See, I... I look at Nathan, the stroller, the other stroller, Noah, he's a little heavier. God help me. So I go over and I pick Nathan, Noah up and, the, you know, I have to carry both of them while Manu pushes both the strollers like this. And then we get like, probably like two minutes, as you can tell, I'm not that, I'm not that big. Um, New Year's resolution every year is to put on weight. Um, and a few minutes later, and I look at Manu, and I'm like, <laughs> I just say to Manu, Manu, I'm not going to make it to the car. <laughs> There's no, it's just too heavy. And Nathan, it's just too much. Thank God for that moment, for those cars. You know the ones they have in Sawgrass, the red cars? If you have kids, you've probably seen them. If you haven't, you probably don't even pay attention. Um, <laughs> But I saw the, the big bank, and there was two left. I was like, hallelujah. So I go over to this thing. I go to put my car, and I look down, $8. I'm sure they know. Like, it's, like they just know that some, they're preying on a dad like me. $8, that's, you know, times by two. That's $16 just to get me to the car. But sometimes you just got to pay the price. In goes the card, out comes the cars, in goes the boys, and then obviously you know what happens. The second I put them in, they go from this to... <laughs> hey! 
day and they think it's the best thing ever and they suddenly wake up. I was like, I just wasted $16 on this. And off we go to the car, two strollers, two cars, and we make it. But you know, there's some, some points in life that you just get to and you're just like, I can't go on. This is it. I'm not going to make it. I need help. And I want to tell you tonight, if that's you, even Jesus went through that. In this story that we pick up, we find Jesus on the floor, beaten, bruised, attacked, to the point where he can't go on anymore. And the Roman soldiers look down at this half of a man on the floor. And then they look up where they're supposed to get him. And they're like, how on the earth are we going to do that? I'm not taking the cross. And they look at each other. And I can kind of imagine the scene. And they're like, I'm not carrying it. No way. And so they look around. And they see this unforsaken guy just coming through. And you, come over here. Now, in those days, it was the law that if a Roman soldier told you you had to carry something, you have to carry it for at least a mile. That's the, that's the rule. And um, in Luke's gospel, it actually tells us that Simon had just come in from the field. So he'd just come in off the field, and I'm pretty sure the moment that that Roman soldier looked at him and pointed and says, you, come here, he's probably thinking to himself, oh, God, why did I wait in the field two minutes longer to talk to my friend? Why didn't I just leave? If I'd left two minutes earlier, I would have avoided all this. And I never would have had to have gone through this. And, and you know, they drag him over and say, you have to carry the cross up there. And Simon's thinking to himself, what's going on? Who is this guy? This cross. Why is he like this? The Bible says in Isaiah that his face was so disfigured that you couldn't even tell who he was. And this random bloke, we call him a bloke in England, this random guy, geezer, gadgy person, is just walking by and they say, come carry his cross for him. And so Simon picks up the cross, puts it on his back, and the moment he does... The very blood of Jesus, that Jesus has smeared all over the cross trying to drag it. Just the short way that he managed to get it, starts to run down Simon's back. And Simon starts to drag that cross, thinking, what is going on? Why am I here? What am I doing? You see, if you really want the blood of Jesus to touch your life, there's only one solution. There's only one way. If you really want the full power of the blood of Jesus to come upon your life and change you, the only way is to pick up the cross and carry it. Luke says in his gospel, whoever wants to be my disciple must neglect, deny himself, neglect himself, take up his cross every day follow me. When you pick up the cross, the blood of Jesus can start to take effect in your life. 
And let me tell you, there is no greater force on this earth than the blood of Jesus. There is nothing more powerful on this earth than the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus can save, can change, can heal, can transform. And if you are in that moment where you're saying, I can't go on anymore, there's only one solution. Deny yourself, your feelings, and take up the cross. And it will change you forever. I envy Simon. He was probably thinking, what on the earth have I got myself into? But I'm pretty sure he looked back one day later and said, I had the privilege of carrying the cross of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. I had the privilege of feeling what he felt. I had the privilege of helping Jesus save the world. You know, you can do that too. You can have that same privilege. When you take up your cross, it's a privilege. When you take up your cross, when you take up the burden, the thing that Jesus is in given over to you to say, this is what I have for you to do on this earth. It's a privilege. It may not look like it at the moment. It may not feel like it in the moment. You may feel tired. You may feel like you want to give up. You may feel like this is the end of the line, but Jesus says to you, pick it up and carry it because it's a privilege and it will change your life forever. How many people believe that today? You know, our pastor, Pastor Caesar, my father-in-law, he teaches us about the power of the blood of Jesus and about having a true revelation. You see, to understand the fullness of the blood of Jesus, you have to have a revelation of the cross. You have to have a revelation of what Jesus did on the cross. And our pastor, Pastor Caesar, he teaches us that there are five things the blood of Jesus does for us. The first one is it redeems us sets us free from the power of the enemy. And that's in uh, Ephesians 1 verse 7. And in Ephesians 1 verse 7, it also says it forgives all of our sins. How many of you need sins forgiving tonight? Amen? Well, all of us, really. <laughs> the blood of Jesus forgives our sins. In 1 John 1 verse 7, it says that because we walk in the light, we have fellowship. That means we hang out with other Christians, people like us. We walk in the light, which is the word of God, Jesus Christ himself. The blood of Jesus cleanses us continuously of all our sin. The fourth thing it does is it justifies us as if we'd never sinned. It's like having a fresh start and it sanctifies us. It sets us apart. And when Simon picked up that cross, he was set apart for the purpose that God had for him is to carry the cross 1,500 feet from Jerusalem to the Mount of Golgotha. That was his purpose. That's all we know about him. But we do know one thing. He fulfilled that purpose, and it changed the world. You know, sometimes it's not a big thing God, God asks of us. It's only 1,500 feet, but it can change the world. And that's what Simon did. Now, um, I don't know about you guys, those of you who know me know that I love to go mountain walking. I love to walk in the mountains, something I miss being here in Florida, the world, the land of mountains, not. 
But um, we have a family tradition, and on the 26th, for us um, English and Gringo Americans, that's Boxing Day, because the 25th is Christmas, not the 24th. Sorry, Lat if there's any Latinos here who <laughs> celebrate on the 24th. I have a theory that it's because um, you can't wait until the 25th. <laughs> so it's just too exciting, too much emotion. So you just have to like jump in there on the 24th. I don't know if that's true or not, or really if Christmas is different or not. But I can buy into that. I'm, I'm Colombian at heart. Um, so we celebrate on the 24th when we're here. Um, anyway, on the 26th, Boxing Day, we have a tradition, and that's to go climb a mountain. So every morning on the 26th, we wake up early in the morning, me, my dad, a bunch of people from church, and we head off to climb a mountain. And one, one year, I remember distinctly this walk we did. It We, we climbed a mountain called Helvellyn. It's an English name. doesn't really matter. Um, and you go along this ridge called Striding Edge, and there's like a 2,000-foot drop off each side. It's kind of cool. Um, but it was like dark, misty, rainy, cold. The, I, I remember specifically like the hair that was sticking out on my hat froze, and there was like ice on my hair. And you know when you're climbing up a mountain like that, you're thinking, why am I doing this? What is the point? The whole point of climbing a mountain is, you know, to get to the top and see the view and think, wow, this is awesome. I made it. And I'm thinking, this is just fog and cloud and ice and rain. And it's just, what is the point? And we get up. We keep walking. We keep going. Um, it's not a huge mountain. It's about 1,000 meters or 3,000 feet. And we hit about 2,500 feet. And the most incredible thing happened. At two and a half thousand feet, the cloud just stopped. All the clouds. And we broke through. And we got up to the top of the mountain, and it was just like this sea of white. And then these mountains poking up, and glorious sunshine. It was the most incredible view I've ever experienced in my life. And I never forget it. I thought, this was worth it. This was worth it. To come up here on the 26th, when most people are either going shopping or sleeping or eating their chocolates, <laughs> I'm up here experiencing, having a revelation, experiencing something incredible. I love this story about Simon because we don't know what was going through his mind, but we do know one thing. It's almost certain he became a Christian. Because in Mark's gospel, it tells us that Simon was the father of two guys, Rufus and Alexander. And there would be no other reason for Mark to say that if his readers didn't know who Rufus and Alexander were. Like, what's the point in saying, hey, Simon, the father of Rufus and Alexander. Like, yeah, and who are they? But we know that they were Christians, that... Mark knew them, that Mark's readers knew them, and it was almost certain that Simon became a Christian and passed it on to his, his kids. And I am willing to bet in any moment, any amount of money, that as Simon climbed up, as he dragged that cross up the hill, as he got to the top, as he left the cross there on the floor, and, and I'm sure he didn't just disappear. There is no way I would have done. I'm sure he stayed to watch every last 
piece of action unfold as they nailed Jesus' hands to the cross and nailed his feet to the cross and lifted him up. And there he hung for everyone to see. And I'm certain Simon stood there and gazed upon the man that he just helped crucify by carrying the cross all this way and thought, what have we done? And as he looks up and he sees this broken, beaten, naked, bruised man right at the top above Jesus' head, there's a sign. It's written in several different languages so everyone can understand it. It says this, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. And I'm sure he read that and thought, hang on a sec, I'm a Jew. This is my king. There's a line in the song that, we, that I used to sing when I was younger. And it says this, this is Jesus in his glory, king of heaven, dying for me. When I think that the moment Jesus was on the cross was his most glorious moment. But it wasn't glorious at all in human eyes. In the eyes of the world, it was the most unglorious, undignified way to kill someone. But it was through that that Jesus conquered everything and changed the world. It was through that that Jesus has the right to be called the king. It was through that that Jesus has the right. In Revelation, it tells us he has the right to open the seal. He's the only one worthy to be able to stand up. And as you learned last week, I believe every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is king. Why? Because he was lifted up on a cross and he died. He earned that right for each one of us. And I'm sure Simon looked at that and had some revelation in that moment. He just said, this is my king. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews, my king. And he's dying for me. You see, and this is, if you're, I'm not really going point one, point two, but if I have points, this is my second point. You see, sometimes we think or we wait to start the journey after we've had a revelation. But you see, the revelation comes as a result of the journey. For Simon, the revelation came as a result of his journey, his journey carrying that cross 1,500 feet. When he got to the top, that's when the revelation came. Don't wait to start your journey with God to have a revelation first. Because the revelation will come when you begin to take up your cross. And when you begin to lay down your life. And when you begin to say, Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm just going to go for it. And I'm going to see what happens. And I know that somewhere along the way, you are going to give me a revelation that you are my king. Because you died for me. You gave up your life for me. This is Jesus. Not just king of the Jews, but king of the world. King of each one of our lives. And I want to finish with this. This is a short, simple message. How do you get there? How do you have that revelation? How do you go on that journey? There's one, another thing our pastor, Pastor Caesar, teaches us, the power of visualization. You see, when you visualize, things start to happen. 
when you visualize the promise that God has given you, when you visualize what God has done for you, when you visualize what he wants to do for you, there's power in that because there's power in dreams. There's power in visualization. I don't know if you knew that. It sounds like some, for some of you this is new. The, my wife picked up a book a short while ago about how to memorize and how to, how to learn fast. It's one of these like, whoa, if we could all learn super fast and memorize something, that would be amazing. And um, the guy in this book, it's pretty incredible. He, he says, there's no such thing as photographic memory. That's a myth. We can all have what's called photographic memory. He says, the key to doing that is visualizing. He says, when you connect your short-term memory, the thing you're trying to learn, with something from your long-term memory, something that's already stuck in your brain, by visualizing it into place, it will stay there forever, and it will become long-term. And so he does this little, I'm not going to do it with you, because it's kind of like, well, maybe I should. Um, he does this little activity, this exercise, and he, he, he says, I'm going to teach you something that you will never forget, but you have to do everything I say. Even if it sounds really weird, crazy, just do it. You guys want to do it tonight? Should try it? Okay. Let me see if I get this right. This is a testimony to his power of being able to help us visualize. You see, you have to take something from your old long-term memory. So I want you to visualize your car or a car that you've had. Some of you are like, I want to visualize a car that I want to have. <laughs> but that doesn't help you because it's not in your long-term memory. We'll get to that in the, in the future. So I want you to, you can close your eyes, visualize a car. And I want you to visualize the front grill. And in the front grill, there's an apple, a big apple smashed right in the front of it. Are you seeing it? Like, make it map out in your head, apple in the front grill. And then you, you go into the car, and as you get it in the car, and you go to sit down on the seat under your bottom, that's what we say in England, there are blueberries and strawberries all smashed in the seat. Yummy. But feel them. Smell them. And then as you look up on the, on the windscreen, the windscreen st wipers start to grow, and you see multi-grains like bread falling on the, on the front windscreen. And then as you look over... No, before you do that, look beyond the, the, the windscreen. And in the front, in the bonnet, we call it, in the hood, you guys from America, there's a big carrot stuck right in the bonnet, right in the hood. And then as you look over on the other seat, um, in the, let me see what, if I can remember what it was now. This is a week ago or so I did it. In the other seat... That's right, you're throwing eggs in the, thank you, my wife and mother's better than me. You throw eggs in the, in the passenger in the front seat. So think of someone you really don't like and just throw those eggs right in their face. It's because I don't, I don't have anyone I don't like. That's why I can't remember that one. No, I'm just kidding. Now, as you get out the car, on the top, on the roof, there's a huge orange. Just like that orange car on Griffin Road, if you ever go down there. Huge orange on the top. And then you look down and, and the, the wheels are made out of sweet potato. Just rolling along. And as you go around the back, you open the trunk. We call it the boot. The trunk. And this smell of fish. 
uncooked fish just starts coming out. And you look down and it's just full of fish. And then you go down and in the tailpipes, there's broccoli stuck in the tailpipes. Can you see it? If I missed anything. I don't think so. I think I got it all. Okay. Let me ask you, what is stuck in the hood of the car? Carrot. In the, that's in the, the grill. What's in the grill? Apple. What did you see when you, got, when you sat down? What did you feel on your butt? Okay. What were you throwing at the passenger? What's on the roof? And the wheels are made of? Nice. And what's on the wind? What are the windscreens wiping off? Multigrain bread. And what's in the tailpipe? Okay. And what's in the trunk? You've just learned some of the superfoods that are going to help you get fit and healthy this next year. And here's the thing. Here's the cool thing. You can say it in any order because you just visualize where it is. You're like apple in the trunk, in the, in the grill. Trunk fish on the roof of the car, oranges. You see, there's power in visualization. Even people in the world know that. But when you visualize with God, the Holy Spirit makes things change and makes you change. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking, you know what? Every moment that I have had an encounter with Jesus... Every moment I've been in worship and God has, has just began to break me and move me and change me has been when I've been visualizing that I was up in heaven worshiping him and seeing him on the throne. And when I saw him on the cross, when I visualized him on the cross, you see this power in visualization. Our pastor teaches that. If you want to learn more about it, pick up his book, Dream and You'll Win the World, and it will change your life. I guarantee it. There's power in visualization. If you want to have a revelation of what Jesus did for you on the cross, if you want the blood of Jesus to change you, sometimes you've just got to stop and visualize. So I want you to do something right now. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that you're right there that day. And you're coming in from the field. And you're coming in from the field and as you're coming in from the field, they're dragging this guy out. Out of Jerusalem, out of the gate. And he's carrying a huge cross of wood. But it's too heavy for him. He can't carry it anymore. And he falls, he collapses on the ground and you're stood by watching. And, and in that moment, one of the soldiers alongside him talks to another soldier and they start arguing and they're getting all mad and, and, and 
they can't figure out what to do and they look up and they see you right there and they point at you and they say, you come over here. And they tell you, it's your turn. You've got to help us carry this cross up that hill. I want you to take a hard look at this man, Jesus, on the floor. You see his face is covered in blood because they've been smacking him around the face and spitting on him. And his back has been whipped and beaten so much that you can even see the bones of his ribcage. And he's shivering. He's shaking. On the floor. Nobody seems to care. All the soldiers care about is getting this piece of wood up the, up the hill. And, and they tell you, pick it up right now. And so you go over. And you look this guy in the eye. And he looks at you. And he's just got tears in his eyes. He looks exhausted. And you get alongside him and you, you pick up the cross. And as you do, you feel the blood that has been coming off his back, soaking into your clothes, into your back. soaking into you and you just start dragging that cross up the hill step by step and Jesus is in front of you dragging himself up the hill and you're there following him just as that word says if you want to follow Jesus take up your cross It's the longest 1,500 feet of your life. And then you get to the top and you dump the cross exhausted and they drag Jesus over and they, they stretch him out on that cross and they began to nail these massive nails into his hands. And then they get his feet, they stretch him out and take one big nail and just drive it into his feet and they've already had this hole in the ground ready for the cross and they just grab it and they lift it up and, and you just hear this thud as the cross goes into the floor and you look up and there's this man doesn't even look like a man anymore every breath that he breathes is agony and above his head is is written a sign that says this is Jesus this is your Jesus this is Jesus this is Jesus in all his glory why because he is overcoming the world and you know what it doesn't matter what you've been through 
doesn't matter what you've experienced in your life. It doesn't matter your sins. It doesn't matter anything about who you are. Nothing is too little for Him. Nothing is too small for Him. Nothing is, is, is too big for His blood to cover, to overcome, to change, to transform. And today, He wants you to have a revelation of the fact that he is your king and he's your king because he bought you with a price, with a price of blood. And that blood paid the price for every single thing that you have done wrong and everything that you will ever do wrong and everything anyone has ever done wrong to you because he paid the price when he was lifted up on that cross and he hung between heaven and between earth. He bridged the gap between you and between God. And today God says to you, you can come into my throne. It doesn't matter what you've done. You could come into heaven. You can worship me. You can have everything you need because Jesus is your king. Because he died for you. Because he gave his life for you. Because he shed his blood for you. Because he gave every last drop of his blood so that you can live. Come on, get up on your feet tonight, just where you are, and lift your hands, and just see Him there on the cross, and just worship Him, just worship Him in this moment, just say, this is Jesus, my King, in His glory, He's the King of heaven, and He's died for me, and every time I worship Him, I proclaim His death and His life, every time I lift up my voice, and say, Jesus is King. I proclaim the fact that He shed His blood for me. Just lift your voice and say, Jesus is my King. And I worship you tonight, Lord. There is no one like you. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your cross. Thank you that you took it all. That there is nothing that I have done that is too big, that is too difficult, that you can't change. There is nothing that is too difficult, that you can't lift me out of. It doesn't matter if I came tonight and I felt like it was time to give up. It doesn't matter if I couldn't go on anymore. It doesn't matter because tonight the blood of Jesus has power to lift you up, to give you strength, to give you a second win, to tell you you are worthy of running this race. You are worthy of carrying the cross. Because I've chosen you, God says. I have chosen you to carry this cross. And if you've said to yourself, I can't go on, I can't go on, Jesus says, oh yes you can. Oh yes you can and you will. Because I have a mission, I have a purpose for you. And it's carry this cross. Carry this cross to this generation so that everyone might know that Jesus is King. Thanks so much for tuning in. Before you go, make sure to click the follow button so you never miss what's new. We would love to connect with you. You can follow us on Instagram at G12Church and share with us how this message has impacted you. Until next time.